Welcome to the Alaska Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Jenny Twing Fleming. I bring you accurate, helpful, and entertaining information about Alaska travel and life in Alaska. My occasional co-host and full-time husband, Jay, and I are committed to keeping the Alaska Uncovered podcast ad-free. To do that, we need your help. If you're enjoying the podcast, we invite you to contribute to our tip jar, which is the first link in the show notes. We are so grateful for our listeners, and we wouldn't be here without you. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Are you curious about visiting Alaska from the traveler's perspective? Today is our first Traveler Stories episode. Our guest today is Peter Moore. Peter is a commentator and animator for Front Range NPR, a cartoonist and columnist for the Colorado Sun, and a frequent contributor to Backpacker.com. You can see his work at petermore.substack.com. He lives in Fort Collins, Colorado. When not writing and cartooning, Peter enjoys backpacking, skiing, snowshoeing around the Rockies, and traveling and eating his way around the world. He recently interviewed Jenny, that's me, uh, for an article about riding the, riding the Alaska ferry to trailheads in Southeast Alaska for backpacker.com. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes if you want to check it out because it was a great article. Peter is here for our very first Traveler Stories episode to share about his experience on his trip to Alaska, which was the exact opposite of backpacking on the ferry, a cruise on Holland America's New Amsterdam in July 2023. Peter, welcome to Alaska Uncovered. Thank you for being here. It's so great to be a complete ignoramus about Alaska and being interviewed on the subject at the same time. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, as we talked about, that's what we're going for with these traveler stories is for people who didn't know a lot before going, what was their experience like? So it's going to be really fun uh, to talk to you about this today. So before we dive into sort of more details about your trip, tell us, how did you decide to take this particular trip to Alaska at this particular time? Well, it's actually a very sad story, Jenny. I don't mean to get your podcast off to a limp, but uh, for about 15 years, my wife and I uh, really, really wanted to go to Alaska, and a succession of friends and family members told us that they had planned their trip, and no, they were not planning on inviting us. Um, And we thought, you know, we're pretty good company, but why doesn't anyone want to go to Alaska with us? So we finally, after everyone we knew had already been to Alaska, we booked our own trip um, uh, up there thinking... We had no other choice but to travel, <laughs> just just the two of us. Um, so one of the people who had already been uh, told us about how amazing it was for them to go on a Holland America ship with 3,000 other people, which horrified us, of course. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes like uh, back in the day when people would pick up a magazine at the newsstand and look through the table of contents, I felt like, well, a giant ship cruising the Gulf of Alaska is kind of like flipping through the table of contents. It'll give us a chance to uh, sample some of the highlights, see what's available there, and then, you know, plot our return trip, uh, which I sincerely hope will be on the Alaska ferry system rather than on some big honking uh, cruise ship. But when Uh, was that, Peter, when people used to 
buy magazines and read the table. <laughs> that was back when that was back when I had a thriving living, uh, working for those many magazines that all uh, disappeared. Uh, sadly, we'll all shed a tear for them now. But hey, I like living in the current world too because in this world I'm a cartoonist, and who knew? You know, ironically, Peter, uh, I. I had no idea, but yesterday someone had sent me, um, I didn't make the connection at all with the Zoom uh, call Jenny had scheduled, but someone sent me your Frozen Dead Guy series from the Colorado. Really? Oh, that, yeah. I, I'm so happy to hear that. That's great. I'm a, I'm a search and rescue guy, and so it hit a particular uh, humor note. I think within the search rescue. <laughs> yeah, well, for the for the listeners who don't know, uh, the frozen dead guy is a former resident of uh, Norwegian resident of Nederland, Colorado, uh, brought there by his grandson and uh, packed in dried ice um, for that day when uh, Grandpa's uh, remains could be reanimated by um, modern medical science. And um, but then uh, somehow they had a falling out with the town of Nederland, Colorado. Estes Park, and in particular, the Stanley Hotel, took over the frozen dead guy. He's now in a cryogenic crypt there. Um, and of course, the Stanley is where Stephen King was staying overnight and had the particular particular nightmare that led to The Shining. So it's all coming together for the frozen dead guy and the Stanley Hotel. Most Stanley Park thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have never heard of this. That is so... Yeah, they have... Yeah. Yeah, didn't, I mean, the, the story was basically Stephen King stopped in at the end of the season with his wife and kid. Uh, kid was having nightmares. Stephen King quieted his son, stepped out on the balcony, and the whole story of The Shining um, came to him at that moment, evidently. Um, so, uh, you know, to think of a frozen dead guy also in the Stanley, uh, it's just uh, like an amazing, wonderful conjunction of events. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't mean to hijack the the story there, but I just thought that was pretty entertaining. It's great. I'm I'm so glad people are passing my frozen dead guy drawings around. It's so fun. As yeah, I mean, as you've seen now, it's really fun to to draw a frozen dead guy. You learn that when you become a cartoonist professionally. I love that you transition to being a cartoonist. I have to know: Are you gonna? Are you? Do you have cartoons of the the New Amsterdam? Oh, he does. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I posted on, uh, it was called Sketchbook Alaska that I did on my Substack, And it was just basically me letting my uh, imagination go wild Wait, on I, um, the stuff I saw when, when I was in Alaska. And you did show me that. I had completely forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, like the crab with the beer bottle, for example, <laughs> that was in there. Actually, You know, the one that really said it all to me um, was... The view I had of Skagway from the um, from the crow's nest, which was you know like the big impressive um, you know part of the ship right right above where the captain stands and pilots us around, because it was so evident just looking out that window how much bigger our ship was than the town we were visiting. Oh yeah, it's really. <laughs> there's this if you're in one of those towns in south in southeast Alaska, these little towns, and you're working in the industry. And you're out on the docks waiting for the ships to roll in. When they arrive, they cast a shadow across the whole. <laughs> yes, I was that shadow and uh, not proud of it. But I had a lovely time in Skagway. I uh, even, you know, just having the chance to uh, stroll up Main Street and uh, eat some fried dough. It was, uh, you know, it was a fantastic tourist experience. So you're a 
you know, you're, you wrote this article about a uh, backpacker experience. How did you make the most of your cruise as um, maybe someone who doesn't identify as a cruiser? Um, well, you know, well, you to make yeah, it. Work. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I learned on this, uh, on this experience that I am indeed a closet cruiser. I didn't know I was a cruiser before, but you know, I've always been the kind of guy who radically planned his own vacations and I've, you know, I've, I've, I've traveled in Nepal. Um, I've hiked all over Switzerland. Like I, I love to do the planning except for when I don't do the planning and someone else does it. And it includes three glorious meals a day and plus all you can drink. It's like, it turned out, I really like that. So, um, <laughs> so I, yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't expect to, but I did, which is a wonderful surprise. You know, I was also the same way. Even when I worked in the industry and growing up in Yellowstone, I was like, there is, you would have to hold a gun to the back of my head <laughs> if you go on a cruise because this is everything I hate, you know, like yeah. I did not identify with any of it at all. And I had the best time on my first employee cruise and I had a great deal of internal conflict. About this. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, Jay. Yeah. But I was going to say, um, moving on from that was, uh, you know, the, the, the famous thing about being on a cruise is that you get to buy shore excursions so that uh, my wife and I went down the list and we thought, what will get us the farthest from the ship in the shortest amount of time? So we use the shore excursions to be our antidote to the um, cruise ship experience. And it worked really well. You know, we we tended to be on, you know, we'd exit this Leviathan of the seas and uh, end up on a little boat with a naturalist and a funny guy behind, you know, who was captaining the ship and maybe another employee and a few other like-minded nature oriented um, passengers from the new Amsterdam. And it felt to us like we pretty quickly, you know, as soon as we pulled away from the dock in our the smaller ship that we were getting out into the Alaska that I imagined, you know, you know, having read call of the wild as a boy. And just before I went on this trip too, I wanted to be there where, you know, where the, Timber was tall and the humpbacks were breaching. And we got to all of that. And including, uh, I personally uh, met and encountered one of the 83 wolves said to be living in Denali National Park right now because I booked the excursion that would get me out into his habitat. And oh my God, there he is rooting around in the underbrush looking for Arctic squirrels to eat. The one. <laughs> I just, I'm just envisioning you be like, Hey, Paul, you know, it's like one of the 83 and you're like hanging out and having a beer together. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny because the, you know, the bus I was on stopped in the, uh, the bus driver was our tour guide. And he said, well, there are 83 wolves in Denali national park. Uh, we won't see one today, but this is, you know, kind of their habitat. And I'll be damned if some if a you know, a guy from Kansas behind me said, there's a wolf in the road up ahead. And yes, there was a wolf up in the road and wolves, um, you know, it's part, not part of their um, uh, genetic heritage to identify a school bus when they see it. So this guy was just like patrolling around um, the dirt road that we were on at that moment. And we were all watching it, watching the wolf aghast. And at one point, I, I can still remember specifically watching his little ears prick up. And we thought, oh, he smells something. And the next thing you know, he did a very wolfish leap right into the underbrush next to the road, 
road. This was, you know, 25 feet in front of the bus. Pops out and he's got an Arctic squirrel in his jaws. He's holding onto it by its head. And the squirrel's twitching because it's in its final agony of uh, of death. And then he stills. And the wolf wolfed it down, just like he was supposed to, uh, from nose to tail, as if he was slurping up a uh, piece of spaghetti on a plate. And it was the most astonishing thing. Um, and that is all, amazing. All 35 of us were just like gasped when he did it. And then he yeah, just like trotted off on his big wolf paws. And we thought that was the coolest thing ever. And the other funny thing about it was when we got back to the Denali Lodge that night, the whole lodge was a buzz because you know we kept on hearing the story. This lucky group of people got to see a wolf come out of the underbrush and eat an Arctic squirrel. And we said, yeah, that was us. Yeah, so like, that was an amazing moment. That is amazing. Yeah, that was us. You know, that's I first of all, I've never seen a wolf in Denali. Me either. Uh, and second of all, like it's come one of the kind of cool things about the no private cars thing in the park is that wildlife is not nearly as spooky on the roads as they would be and should be if there were private cars running around. Uh so you could like that experience of seeing one just kind of chilling out near the bus is more common than you would have it in some other park where people drive their vehicles around yeah and it might have been a trained animatronic uh wolf who knows um you know uh, holland america's big powerful company so you know they might just have that to give us a thrill um, i am tell this joke but there is a joke in alaska Jay, no 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 bruce the moose no. <laughs> there is a joke on mini tours about making someone dress up as a bear or a wolf or... <laughs> did anyone tell you that joke peter on your trip I did not hear that one, but okay. there was another one that was repeated many times to me, which I'm sure you guys know too, about the um, about the Texan in the bar bragging about his uh, about the state of Texas. Oh yes, I'm yeah. familiar with that one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We heard it three times, and then okay. when I got when I got back, a friend told it to me. So clearly, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the necessary joke of Alaska. Oh man, barista me. Yeah, actually, Jay, that is funny because when Peter was telling that story i also thought of that joke immediately <laughs> of the bear like, suit no, joke or the... put it out of your mind <laughs> <laughs> you know it is it's one of the odd things about touring there is that the tour guides all have access to the same alaska joke book which is why you keep on hearing the same jokes over and over again including inevitably at the end of every bus tour or boat tour the captain or the tour guide will say, if you enjoyed this tour, my name is Bob and please yeah. put your comments, you know, on the website. And if you didn't enjoy the tour, my name is Tony and feel free to also enter your comments in the guest book. And, yes. you know, I, I snickered a little bit the first time I heard it, but I was like fed up the fourth time I heard it. Uh, you know, yes. They call that um, driver lore tour because uh, it used to be all the tours were were led by the same person who drove the vehicles, you know, and it, I was always fascinated by how they travel, like they traveled around between companies, the same jokes, the same stories, the same, like, uh, some of them were like little errors. For example, there was a, a, a common error about the name of a valley above Skagway that everyone, like every tour guide used. And I was like, where did this get started? And how, mm -hmm. as an anthropologist, I was like, this is how this kind of misinformation or joke or whatever 
without anyone actually, you know, like there, there, there is no Alaska joke book, right? Like, but it's the same body of lore. <laughs> I, I, yes. You know, and that's the way it used to be, right? That That's, that's how the Iliad was recorded is, uh, you know, people repeating the same stories. So I guess we're tapping into a great storytelling uh, tradition when we, when we talk about those, that Alaska joke book. Yes. And I, I will tell you, Peter, that I personally am very proud that I have only told a joke on tour twice in my, in 25 years. (laughs) What a relief. (laughs) And I now have a firm, I have a very, this past summer, I one time experimented with a joke and I was like, no, dude, you're not a joke teller. Don't, don't do it. Anyway, so I believe in having a good time, but my tours are always a joke-free experience, at least from me. I make no promises about the rest of the group, but anyway. You know, Alaska is bigger than jokes. Let's, it is. Let's all disagree on that. Yes. Ooh, I, I, I confess to having been a joke teller, but I am, I am reformed. <laughs> Barely, but yes, you are. I would, I would, I would, I would rather uh, be gasping than groaning while on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Agree with that. You know, it's almost like you're a professional journalist. You have a turn of a phrase. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's a reason why I've been been able to do this for many decades. Yes. Um, Okay. So, Peter, what surprised you about your trip to Alaska, or what was different from what you were expecting? You know, the the sense of scale in Alaska is just astonishing. And to people who go there all the time, it's like you smack your forehead and say, well, of course, it's a big state. That's what the Texas-Alaska joke is all about. But, you know, I somehow I was fixated on the size of the New Amsterdam ship that we were cruising on. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, it's going to overwhelm everywhere we go in it was a speck as humanity is a speck up there on the horizon, even as big as it was. Um, I felt like we could shrink into the beauty and the scale of Alaska just by being there to witness it. And, you know, I feel like maybe a lot of my fellow cruisers were in the casino or watching a movie or, you know, getting drunk at 11 o'clock in the morning, but, you know, we were steadfast with our positioning, you know, uh, in the uh, Titanic position on the prow of the boat, um, just like soaking it all in and realizing that that um, ice, you know, that iceberg that's, you know, that seems so large is actually three miles off and no, our boat isn't going to hit it or, or the glacier that we're looking at Actually, that's five miles away, and it looks like you could reach out and touch it. The, the scale of Alaska is overwhelming, and but also, uh, you know, um, it's reassuring in in its way because it feels like it's bigger than any of us. And as we know, humans do nothing but uh, despoil uh, every place that they go. But it feels like Alaska has some absorbing. To do because it is so freaking big, and this is you know coming from a guy who saw what uh, two hundred miles of coast, and there are probably thousands of miles of coast in Alaska, not to mention yeah. the vast interior. So, uh, so 
I expected to be awestruck and I was, it was beyond awestruck. It was, it was that kind of thrill. I felt the same experience. And I think it's telling that, that someone as well-traveled as you had that sense of, of, uh, scale awe in, in Alaska. You know, we, we didn't see Denali while we were in Denali national park. That's very common. But at one point this little window opened up, it was, you know, who knows where it was on the mountain, but there was a gap in the clouds and we could see this, um, this piece of the mountain. It was probably 4% of the mountain, but even 4% was enormous and a thrill to see. And that was, I guess that was a, um, you know, that's my experience in a nutshell. Even if you see 4% of Denali, you've seen a whole lot and it was a thrill. There, I used to work with a, a, a guide who would occasionally lie to his folks and tell them that another mountain was Denali because mm. they were interested. And he got burned on it once and it was very funny. Um, I mean, he definitely got the comeuppance he deserved about it because he, he would tell people there's a mountain called Mount Deborah that's it's a beautiful mountain on its own, very tall, very, very interesting. But he would always tell people that was Denali because Denali was always shrouded in clouds. And then the clouds just cleared away and one of his guests is like so then what's that deserve that yeah that's the mountain gods messing with him it's like uh, oh, that's yeah? right mount deborah is mount denali i'll show you man <laughs> it's karma it, it yeah it is he deserved it yeah so it sounds like the the highlight for you of your trip was maybe this wolf experience are there any other like um highlight moments you wanted to share out oh you know this doesn't sound like a highlight um but as we established early on in the show i'm a guy who travels with a sketch pad um and really what i most loved was sitting on we had a little uh you know porch on off of our stateroom and i could sit out there in a chair with a blanket over me in the middle of it's the summer. This is July that we, we did our cruise. And just the just watching the landscape go past me and being, you know, on the Gulf of Alaska, seeing mountains I would never know the names of, but that were just one awesome mountain after another, one awesome vista after another. I could just sit there um mesmerized by the the you know the progress of the landscape going past me in Alaska, so that was that was a huge thrill to to see that. The other thing I would say is that you know I'm always, I'm a big guy for I like to have a book with me when I travel, and um, uh, one of the first books I picked up when I when we booked our trip was uh, Mark Adams's Tip of the Iceberg, and that recounts a famous um, uh, uh, exploration of Alaska by you know, 250 eminent scientists on a boat in the 1800s, um, paid for by a rich railroad guy. And John Muir was on that boat, um, which introduced me to the Alaska journals of John Muir um, and his other writings about Alaska. And uh, my last name is Moore. I don't think I'm any relation to John Muir, but I've always felt an affinity for him um, because of where he went and what he preserved. And, 
not so much that he was a big jerk and a racist, but because he was a great um, appreciator of landscapes. So um, through Mark Adams and John Muir, I felt like I was um, on some crazy level recreating um, amazing journeys that they took. Um, and, uh, you know, tracing that back through the literature of Alaska um, and then making it real for me too. Um, all those things were um, it sort of came together for me as I would sit, you know, reading John Muir and looking out at Alaska. Uh, you know, it's 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 not quite the, you know, all day, all you can eat buffet experience, but, uh, you know, it, it was a landscape buffet that I was enjoying. You, Peter, you are going to love when you go on the ferry. <laughs> the yes. ferry thing, only about a third as fast as the cruise ship does. And yeah. I tell you, every time, every time I've ridden the Alaska ferry, which is a lot. And, you know, they're notoriously slow and the, the weather is kind of notoriously bad. Every time I have gotten off, I have been sad because I love nothing more than to sit, especially in the solarium with a sketch pad or my camera and just watch this conveyor belt of a beautiful landscape go by. And it doesn't have to be anything like particularly at earth shattering. It's just gorgeous. And it just slowly rolls by. And then every once in a while, you know, there's like a freaking orca, you know? <laughs> oh, right. You know, there's these like, but you are going to love the ferry for that reason. It's even, even more so. Although I do, will say that there is something really amazing about watching the landscape roll by from, you know, your balcony with with a beautifully prepared beverage in your hand, which is yeah, so nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I did indulge in the beverages, which may have been why I was kind of, um, you know, in I, I'm a I'm a, a quiet, happy drunk rather than a boisterous, loud, obnoxious one. So. I tend to ascend into nirvana when I'm having a beer at four o'clock in the afternoon and <laughs> looking at something beautiful. But I have to say that when Jenny described to me the process of um, duct taping your tent to the deck of an Alaska ferry, I thought, I am so all over that. That would be <laughs> like, like one of those moments when I thought, yes, I have arrived where I need to be. I am duct taping my tent to the... Uh, on, on an Alaska ferry. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll document that when it happens as well. Awesome. Oh, that'll be so great. I <laughs> hope I also told you to bring a towel to dry the area that you're going to stick the duct tape to. <laughs> yeah, it is all in my fantastic article on backpack. Okay, I couldn't remember. I was like, oh, I hope I mentioned that small thing, but I'm sure oh, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that. And also to uh, test your rain fly in the shower. To make sure yes, that uh, you yes, were yes. able to stand up to the abundant uh, rainforest Very deluge important. that is Alaska. I'm yes. going to tell you a, a secret bit of insider knowledge for routine ferry riders in Southeast Alaska is if you, um, there are these magnets you can buy that are for welders that they use to clamp things down and they have a switch and you push the button and they release or clamp and they clamp really hard. And that's the pro move because the deck is steel. So people will get two of those to put on the windward side of their, and then tie their tent to that. Cause yes. the ducks, and that is another to... option. If you want to like really overly engineer it. Yes. Also a sign yeah. that you're in a place where lots of people are blue collar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I suppose they're, they're probably, um, 
available in that uh, Costco in uh, Fairbanks that everybody talked about. Was it a Costco? No, it was some other store. Anyway, but it's the place where people come, you know, from, you know, way out in the hinterlands of Alaska and shop for five months at a time uh, to get them through, you know, from October until April to survive it. Um, and I bet they have big old deck magnets there too, right? Shopping in in those uh, in Fairbanks in particular always funny because you will see people pushing three or four carts along, and it's like you know they have like a thousand pounds of dog food. <laughs> like, mm. You're not shopping like the people do here in Seattle. I'll just <laughs> yes, that's for sure. No, it, it, it's a special thing about Alaska. So, Peter. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is like just your general itinerary and how you felt about it. Cause this is one, one of the top three things that people ask is about like figuring out the itinerary. Like, ah, am I going to Denali? Am I doing whatever? So let's just stick with cruising for the moment since that's what you did. And you did one of Holland America's cruise tours, yes, because you went to Denali and then you got on the ship. Right. Yeah. It okay. was um it was never an option for us not to go to Denali. Yeah. Um, and that meant that we flew, uh, you know, the the person who set it up for us recommended that we do um Denali first because it would be uh um we'll be exhausted at the end of the cruise. So um do Denali first. So we flew into Fairbanks, which is a very disappointing, terrible town. Uh, sorry oh, come on now, Peter. Fairbanksians. It, you know, it felt like a small city in Connecticut where I grew up that never recovered yeah. when the Industrial Revolution ended. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, it was just, I found it to be a very weird, sad town and you know we arrived there super excited because we're hey this is the beginning of our trip to alaska and then wah wah fairbanks yeah yeah but um because uh, we ran into somebody on the street who said you absolutely have to go to the moldovan restaurant oh in yeah Fairbanks. have yeah. you been to that moldovan restaurant yep sure have yeah. yeah okay well i had a moldovan beard there and some kind of moldovan casserole and i thought how weird is this that Moldova is represented in downtown Fairbanks. Yeah. Anyway, so that was uh, maybe I'm not supposed to talk about this part. So that was Fairbanks, Denali. No, that's bubble, it's great. Yeah, bubble train, um, which was every bit as good as I thought it was going to be, and better. You know, my wife was, um, you know, staring out the window as one does, and she said, you know, all the way from Fairbanks to. Um, you know, kind of the outskirts of uh, Anchorage, um, she saw three houses. And she thought, yeah. that says everything you need to know about uh, where we are here. And the other funny thing was, of course, you know, it's like you're in junior high school again, and you're the new kid, and you're trying to make friends. Well, I made friends with a guy who it turns out was uh, a a friend of John Prine, who's one of my favorite lamentably uh dead folk singers and at one point we were standing on the outside um you know on, on one of the platforms on the train watching alaska cruise by and harmonizing to john prine songs and Aww. and it was just a beautiful moment because we both knew all the words and we all both both knew the harmony parts and you know john prine died during uh, of covid um probably a year and a half ago and 
you know, it's like it was kind of a magical moment for us to be bowing to John Prine and also um, cementing our friendship and bonding over it. And that was a, that was a beautiful thing. And, you know, how random is it that I would run into a guy who knew John Prine on the bubble train from Fairbanks to Anchorage? And but also how wonderful. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and okay. how many so, nights did you spend in Denali? Uh, two or three. We were at the Denali Lodge, which is, okay. you know, every bit as rustic and yeah. naughty, piney as you want it to be. It was right on um, whatever that amazing river is that roars through there. Um, it was very high water um, so that, you know, we felt like we could be, uh, you know, under it at any moment. But it did not, in fact, sink us. Um, and, uh, you know, we had some amazing salmon meals and getting to know our, um, you know, our, our fellow cruise passengers. It was really, yep. it, it felt good. It felt like college orientation but with, you know, with, uh, you know, old white people from the lower 48. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, the, but that was super cool. Then bubble train. So that was an amazing experience. Um, you know, I was like, my eyes snapped open when we went through Wasilla, and I thought, this is where she came from? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so then we got to Anchorage, also, honestly, not a great town, but we took a, it was one of our excursions, we got on, you know, one of those, like, crazy um, tours that you can take, it's like a, a old-timey uh, streetcar Oh, tour. yeah, the trolley. Yeah. Yeah, the trolley, yep. excuse me. Coming hard, hard time coming up with that word. Oh, anyway, that's okay. The driver was amazing and hilarious. And he went into great detail about the 1964 earthquake in mm -hmm. Anchorage. And here we were staying on, yes, the ninth floor of what must have been, you know, one of the two or three tallest buildings in Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Claire and I were there with our covers pulled up to our chins, staring at the ceiling oh. all night long, thinking <laughs> we would be pancaked if Anchorage dropped another 25 feet while we were there. But that did not happen. We survived awesome. it. Fantastic. And, um, yeah, and you know, I, I give this guy a ton of credit um, for really giving us the intro that we didn't have to the lives of people who who choose to live in Anchorage or in the outlying areas. And, he told us a hilarious story about a 14-year-old girl who had her pilot's license but wasn't allowed to drive a car so she could fly like 4 hours from her home in you know in the in the Alaskan outback but she could not drive to the Costco in Anchorage um so she had to get a taxi cab classic um, but you know isn't that doesn't that say everything about like your dream oh if only i were a 14-year-old living in Alaska I too would have my pilot's license and fly all over the crazy state. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So then um, Anchorage, uh, one night there probably, um, went to an amazing museum right in downtown uh, Anchorage uh, that gave us the whole nine yards of the, of the state who had yep. traveled there, the people. It was just like, you know, somebody told us, eh, you can go to that museum. It's not very good. And it turned out, it was very near our hotel, and it was the most amazing place. There was also a breakfast restaurant. Oh, shoot. This is the kind of thing I should have. It's okay. Um, was it anyway. Snow City Cafe? Oh, do you think? Oh, you th is that the one with amazing breakfast sandwiches? It's like on the lower level of an abandoned mall. Oh, no. That's Midnight Sun Cafe. That's oh, my go. favorite. 
Oh my goodness. In yeah, somebody in somebody, downtown Anchorage. Yeah, yeah. We met somebody on the street and we were we had been eyeing this like really cornball touristy restaurant on the main drag in Anchorage, you know, uh, suspiciously. So I just, you know, I'll talk to anybody at any time about anything. Yeah. And I buttonholed somebody was walking by and said, We don't really want to eat here, do we? And the guy said, Oh no. You want to go to the Midnight Sun Cafe? Yes. I assume yes. that's what you're talking about because your description, amazing breakfast sandwiches in a weird building, is is it. Exactly. Yeah. We poked around. We found it and had the most amazing breakfast sandwiches ever. Yeah. So that's isn't that what you really want out of visiting a strange city is to find yeah. the really strange and wonderful places there. Yes. So, uh, two days in Anchorage. Um, then... Um, Another train down to Whittier, which is where the New Amsterdam was uh, was moored. Yep. Uh, uh, Whittier is the one that most of the residents live in that high rise building, right? Isn't yes. That? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we were awestruck by um, the size of our ship at that point, but you know we wandered on there, and you know with the help of some kind um, employees of uh, Holland America, we were able to orient ourselves on the ship. Um, understand exactly how free-flowing the alcohol would become, but also, um, you know, to understand what our restaurant options were and things. And, you know, it really was taking up uh, residence in a grand hotel for for a week or for eight days. Um, and, you know, we you kind of have to love a place where that's so Shangri-La-like that they actually put a rug in the elevator that says, it's Wednesday. So Andy. You track of what day of the week it is. That is how lost in time you could become on the New Amsterdam. So, um, so uh, New Amsterdam left Whittier. A great thrill to just you know be on that large of thing moving across the water, um, heading south. Uh, Skagway uh, was the first stop where I did that drawing uh, out of the crow's nest and yep. loomed over um, Skagway. So. Um, uh, Skagway, we took an excursion on a little boat, uh, took us down. We took a little hike. We uh, paddled canoes into a glacier. We were thrilled. Um, a, a great group on that on that ship, and it felt like it uh, narrowed down our, um, you know, our uh, or, or made our experience smaller at that moment. Oh, and then, um, uh, well, you can cut out my fry bed and anecdote if you want to, but. <laughs> arrived in, in Skagway, I had no interest in uh, shopping for, you know, tourist junk. I never do. So I wandered down a side street and they uh, were offering, I saw a sign for authentic Alaskan fry bread. I thought, yeah, right. Authentic. We'll put that in quotes. But anyway, I went in because I'm a sucker for any fried dough of any kind. Um, yes. And uh, I, I I bought exactly the last fry bread that they had, so I was very lucky on that. And I asked the woman who gave it to me, "Is there in fact anything at all authentic about this fry bread?" And she looked at me and she said, "Well, you know, when the prospectors were here, what they would do is they would mix up their mix up their sourdough, and then they would put it on their chests and sleep all night, so the sourdough would rise because of their body heat." And then she said. I did not sleep last night with this on my chest, but we use a very similar process to make this <laughs> fry bread the way they did a hundred years ago. So there I had my answer. I had an authentic Alaskan fry bread. Um, Love it. Yeah. So that was Skagway. Then Juno, you guys know better than I, Juno was probably next, right? Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yep. Juno was a, a cool town. I loved Juno. I bought a really good sandwich at a sandwich shop in Juno before we took off for our excursion. And it was a whale watch tour. And I guess, you know, probably tour guides say this sort of thing all the time. Well, we're not going to see it, but a really thrilling thing would be able to see humpback whales using the bubble net uh, technique to um, herd fish so they can eat them. And so we were out there. We saw a bunch of uh, humpbacks, you know, spouting and not, not breaching, uh, you know, where their humpback breaks the water. I mean, it's thrilling enough for a guy who lives in Colorado to see that. And then, yes, of course, the next thing we saw was a group of humpback whales. There must have been five or six of them gathered in a circle. Uh, we could see them when they're when when their uh, when their mouths breached the water level um, because they were indeed doing bubble net feeding there. And we probably spent forty five minutes watching this pod of whales conspire to eat and kill lots of fish. Um, that's amazing. And it was, um, you know, the na the naturalist on board our ship gave a very good impression of somebody who was amazed that we were seeing it. Uh, I don't know how often people see that, um, but it was a thrill. It looked like little um, origami pieces uh, uh, popping up over the uh, surface of the water um, to watch those uh, those humpbacks feed. So, so cool. You know, that, yeah, that and... Uh, the wolf eating the Arctic squirrel were my two favorite animals feeding on things experiences in Alaska. Yeah, those are pretty remarkable. I, I've never seen bubble net feeding huh. ever. Huh. And I've had probably hundreds of whale experiences and I've wow. never seen that. Yeah. yeah well, I'm, I've, I've got it all over you because I have not only seen humpback whales bubble net feeding, I've also seen dolphins doing it off of the Everglades. In oh, Florida. I definitely haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah. And it was the same spiel they gave us. Well, we won't see this, but sometimes dolphins get together and they conspire to eat lots of herring. And uh, so it was our second bubble net feeding experience. And I just consider myself, you know, I'm a very lucky man in life to have, have seen both That's dolphins so cool. and humpbacks do it. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, okay, so uh, then after Juno was Ketchikan, yeah, uh, also an amazing town. I loved Ketchikan, and because I'm married to the woman I am, we of course set off on a on a long haul through town, away from the you know tourist traps, to mm -hmm. go to the uh, um, Native Alaskan Museum in Ketchikan, um, which had you know, the most wonderful display of uh, native art and uh, and amazing, wonderful signs explaining the, what the meeting of the totems we were seeing were yep. and, and uh, artisans there also working on things. And I felt like, you know, we, we had to like sprint from the boat, uh, from the ship to get up there yeah. to see this and then also make it um, back to the excursion that we took there. Um, but that was, I felt like it was a slice of, uh, of, you know, a beauty in Alaska that, you know, it, it was, it was troubling, you know, there's white jerks who visited up there and said, eh, well, there's nobody in this town. So we're going to steal their totem poles mm. and disturb grandpa's yeah. remains and mess with all that. Um, you know, as a, as a white guy, you know, touring Alaska myself, I felt that heritage. I mm -hmm. was embarrassed by it. And I felt like it was, you know, part of my responsibility being there was to 
say, okay, I know what we, I know what my people did to your people and I acknowledge it and mm-hmm. I can't do anything about it, but at least I'm aware uh, that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, from Ketchikan, we took the, um, the most boring long boat ride ever um, with clearly some employees that were not very happy in their jobs. Uh, oh, bummer. The vibe immediately, as soon as we got on board, it's like, these people don't like each other, um, which is sad, right? But it was, um, we went out to a place that you know better the name of than I do, but it was what, it was where John Muir was talking about um, the landscape that was every bit as uh, dramatic as Yosemite. Um, I'm going to guess that it was Misty Fjord's National Monument. Does that sound right? The, that's the one, Misty okay. Fjord's. What they don't tell you is it's going to take you really uh, like excruciatingly long, kind of boring cruise with no whales uh, and evidence um, to get to Misty Fjord's. Like once we were in there, it was cool. And we spent 45 minutes uh, saying, yeah, it's, it's pretty close to Yosemite, uh, Yosemite-esque views. And then we were, you know, trapped with the unhappy crew members for another two hours um, going back to Ketchikan. But um, I was glad to have seen Misty Fjords. I like the idea of Misty Fjords. It sounds cool. Um, So, um, oh, yeah, uh, somewhere in there, I missed a major uh, glacier viewing. Let's see now. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually about what glacier viewing place you went to. It could have been... Glacier Bay National Park. It could have been College Fjord. No, it, was it could have been Bay. Endicott Arm. Okay. And yeah, some ships uh, have two. You might have gone to two places with glaciers on the cruise. Yeah, we did. It was Glacier Bay. And, okay. um, you know, it, it, as usual, my instinct is to sprint away from the crowd, which I did. And I took that little trail that um, took us out to an um, uh, enormous waterfall cascading down the side of a mountain with a, with, you know, with a glacier, with Mendenhall Glacier off in the distance. And that's in Juno, to... not Glacier Bay. Okay. Well, see, yeah. there you are. You know, like <laughs> no, that's, talking... that's okay. I just was like, huh, because in Glacier Bay, you don't get off the boat. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, true enough. Okay. So it wasn't Juno. Um, very happy to have gone there. Um, uh, world's worst bus driver who thought she was hilarious and wouldn't shut up. So, um, <laughs> oh, no. whatever her name, uh, you know, it was like, Oh God, she was just very amused by herself and, and was not catching the vibe that everybody was so sick of hearing her talk. Yeah. Um, we're a captive audience, but yeah. it was part of the reason why I sprinted away from the bus at, um, you know, to go up and see the Mendenhall Glacier yeah. was I just needed a little exercise and also to uh, just hear myself think there. And yes. it was very cool to do that. Um, so catch a can then, uh, my recollection is after Ketchikan, it was basically an overnight cruise, um, which, uh, which, uh, brought us down to, uh, Vancouver, yeah. um, uh, which is also an amazing town. And we had a lot of fun banging around there. Um, but I learned one, one important tip that your listeners will want to know, which is that there is a Vancouver, British Columbia, and there's a Vancouver, Washington. Yes. And I bought us Amtrak tickets from Vancouver, Washington to oh, Seattle. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah, that really was. So we showed up uh, bright eyed, bushy tailed at the Amtrak station in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, we were told that our train would be leaving, uh, you know, an hour and a half from where we were standing. 
So yeah. momentary panic, but they put us on a bus um, <laughs> that took us all the way to Seattle. So oh, that's, that's, how we, that's how we ended our um, Alaska sojourn. But uh, that was the itinerary as best I can recreate it. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, one question I just have to follow up there, Peter. So so you mentioned that the person who booked you on your trip recommended doing the land part first before right. the cruise. And I am curious if you felt like that was the right way to do it or if you had it to do over, would you do it the other way or does it not matter? You know, we had a, um, a uh, I guess you would call it a northwest to southeast orientation on our ship. Yeah. So it kind of made sense to do Denali first, hit Anchorage, then Whittier, and then, you know, head in the direction we would be heading home in. Uh-huh. Um, and I also think that um, delaying the ship built anticipation for us. Yeah. Um, it, it really, honestly, was a big thrill to come around a corner in the train, and there it was, the New Amsterdam. Yeah. So so land first kind of started off us off with something familiar, and then we, you know, we got the, uh, you know, the extraordinary experience of boarding that ship and learning the ship and, you know, sitting on our balcony and eating seven meals a day and um, just, you know finding our way into like for instance meeting the ship's naturalist on the new amsterdam mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of person who we would always seek out because my wife is the kind of person who has 27 questions in her mind at all times that, that are the right things to ask um, uh, a naturalist so at one point you know i told you that we we spent a lot of time in the titanic spot um you know right up at the front of the ship to really experience it 360 and the the ship's naturalist joined us there. And we must have talked to that guy for three hours about his experiences, where he came from, how he how he came to know Alaska, what his most extraordinary stories were. And just having combining his narrative with, um, you know, a ship is kind of a narrative process because it has a beginning, middle and end. So mm-hmm. his narrative of his life and our narrative of that eight days that we spent on the New Amsterdam Kind of commingled there, and that was yeah. that was beautiful, and that's awesome. And I and it made our enormous ship feel that much smaller that we struck up a relationship with this guy. Yeah, the reason I was asking is because that's a question that a lot of my clients ask when they're planning their trip: is like, should we do a northbound cruise or a southbound cruise? If we're also doing a land portion. And then when I'm working as a tour director, I have guests that are either coming off of a cruise and then I'm doing the land portion with them or I meet them at the airport in Anchorage or Fairbanks and then we do the land portion and then I take them to the ship. And, you know, I feel like it could kind of go either way. It kind of depends on the person. So I was curious um, what your thoughts were about that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, having never done it the other way, I can't tell you how it would yeah, have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. I was perfectly happy with the way it went. And I also felt like, you know, you're seeing a very select portion of Alaska when you're on a ship, as opposed to, you know, those bubble trains and the and the journey into Denali. You know, you're not, obviously, not getting the full breadth of Alaska, but you're getting a feel for the interior 
before you do the exterior, as it were. So yeah. um, there was a certain logic to that to me. But if we had done it the other way, I'd be saying the exact opposite now, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I was just curious. I, I think ultimately it doesn't matter as much as people might think it does. <laughs> like it's going to be kind of awesome either way. But, yeah. um, it's good to get your input on that. One cool. other thing I just wanted to mention for our listeners um, and it's so valuable, Peter, to hear your perspective as a traveler, which is different from what Jay and I would have as people who've lived in Alaska and spend a lot of time there. A couple things you mentioned that are very common that like a lot of people experience. So I just want to call those out um, because it's more than just your experience. One is not being in love with Fairbanks and Anchorage. <laughs> um, I I think that especially Fairbanks is a pretty great city, but if you're just there for a short time and like somebody else is kind of control, it can be hard to like find those things that make it special. So that isn't an uncommon experience what you had in Fairbanks or Anchorage. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to add on to that. Could I add, could I add another uh, Fairbanks story here? Sure. Um, yeah. 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 Claire and I are big. You know. We love natural areas. We have amazing ones, even in the little town of Fort Collins where we live. Yeah. We're always going to natural areas. So I, looking at my Fairbanks map, I thought, oh, look, a natural area to the north of town. Let's go. We got on the city bus, which was a hoot to be on there. We met a lot of people, had yeah, a lot of fun conversations with friendly Fairbanksians yes. while we were there. They dropped us off at this um, natural area. And we went into the lodge there, you know, where the, the, you know, the exhibits were and all. And we talked to the woman. She said, yeah, and we have uh, insect repellent that you can spread on uh, before you, you know, go out for your walk. And we thought, oh, how nice <laughs> of them to give us insect repellent. Isn't that strange and, and fun? So we lathered up and we soon found ourselves sprinting along a boardwalk uh, trailed by a cloud of, yes, mosquitoes. Um, who are the most rapacious bugs we've ever been exposed to? And yeah, we sprinted back to the um, to the bus stop and prayed for a bus to come along to rescue us from that natural area. So yeah. again, not a surprising story for you, but as much as I'd read about mosquitoes in Alaska, I was I was amazed at how um, how invasive they were. You know, finding gaps in my shirt and down my shirt collar and behind my ears. Yes. Yeah, we were lucky to survive that. Anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> that, I, I'm sorry if I interrupted uh, other observances. No, that's okay. And it sounds like you were at Kramer's Field, which is a a bird a, a bird sanctuary um, in Fairbanks, which is a very cool place and a very buggy place in July. Very oh, and we also, buggy. but we saw sandhill cranes there, and the sandhill cranes come through Colorado on their migration to the south. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, so Claire and I haven't actually been uh, a party to the Sandhill Crane migration in February in Colorado. So we, I, I'm awesome. sure it's not the same Sandhill Cranes, but like, it might be. We, looked, we looked out there and we thought, hey, come on down. You guys, we'll see you in, we'll, we'll see you in Colorado in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the sound that Sandhill Cranes make um it's awesome have you yeah. seen them do their mating dance yes i have oh uh, it's cool. so it's so awkward and wonderful yeah. the way they hop around yes. and they're it's getting ready nuts. to get it on i mean humans yeah. are awkward when they mate too so uh, yes uh, no surprise there no <laughs> I, um, 
I will say I I I um I am amazed that they reproduce, but they do, and thank. <laughs> You know, they're I able to pull it off somehow. Actually, I appreciate your candor about Fairbanks. And I think your experience is extremely common. I love Fairbanks, but I also don't think it's very accessible to visitors. And one of the things I love about it is that it's kind of more. <clears throat> I mean, it is kind of inaccessible, but it's also kind of it's got a lot of realness to it that maybe some other parts of Alaska that are, are more visitor oriented don't necessarily but i think that that is one reason to do your trip north south like you did it is that a lot of times folks by the time they get to fairbanks they're quite tired uh they've been on the road they've been traveling a lot and they're like uh what is with this like rural industrial town that's (laughs) a good point jay yeah the the funny thing about it too was yeah here i'm like being complaining and being nasty but we ate in two good restaurants there the moldovan one and there's a very nice thai restaurant where we had a wonderful meal and also <laughs> you know i was another thing i was dreading was the was the riverboat cruise that we or tour that we took in um in fairbanks so you know they carted us off on buses we got on this big corny like cliche of a mark twain uh riverboat and it turned out that it was wonderful and yeah. the narration was fascinating. And we visited this little fishing village and it was one of, oh, oh, this is the third in my trifecta of critters eating experiences. So, you know, they gave us a, um, some allegedly native people, um, gave us a demonstration of how they, uh, process and dry, um, salmon. And they uh, told us that, you know, when she cut the head off the salmon that she was, uh, preparing, she said, well, you know, back in the old days, um, fish head soup was something that only the um, Alaskan elders were allowed to eat because it was thought to convey wisdom. So that was kind of an interesting little detail. And we did our tour of the fishing village. And then we all got back on on the paddle wheeler. And right then, yeah, on cue, it was amazing. This uh, bald eagle... Um, flies to the top of a of a pine tree uh, right next to the river and is looking around, looking at all of us, swoops down, grabs the fish head off of the table where it had been recently cut off and flew off into another tree on the other side of the river and proceeded to attack it. And I thought, there it is, the wisdom of the elders. Fish heads are great. Uh, bald eagles are, you know, I mean, they're like pigeons in New York and in, in Alaska. But there was something so majestic about the wing beats of this creature with the um, salmon head yeah. uh, in his talons. It was just like, it was, you know, I'm getting a chill now even talking about it because it was the most graceful and uh, animal movement to watch this um, eagle do its thing with the fish head. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I'm with you on the riverboat. And I will just say, if you're <laughs> listening and you're like, I don't know about this, it is an awesome tour. Like, everyone loves it. And the other thing that everyone loves that you talked about, Peter, Peter is the train. So especially those glass, you, call, you called it the bubble train, but those, like, glass-domed train cars, that is an amazing experience regardless of how you do it. So Holland, America and Princess have their own train cars. And then there's the Wilderness Explorer. And then there's also the Alaska Railroad um, Gold Star cars. And I would just 
echo onto that that literally everyone loves that. Yeah, um, train travel's the way to go. It's just it's so gracious. It can be yeah. so beautiful. It's such a great way to see the landscape and get up it and is. move around. And yep. um uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, of course, was that the uh remind me the name of the uh Iditarod hero, the woman, the first woman to win the Iditarod. Um, um the for I don't know. Susan, um, anyway, whoever she was, we drove by. Uh, she died Butcher. tragically of cancer. Um, oh, Susan uh, Butcher. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. didn't know. I don't know if she was the first oh, off okay. the top of my head, but she's definitely the most famous. Susan Butcher is the most famous. Which is another reason to get on that corny yeah. paddle wheeler because you go by right by where her sled, where she lived, where her yes. sled dogs yep. um, are growing and future generations. We met her husband. Um, yep. He joined us at the fishing village, was selling his book. And, yeah. you know, there's something, you know, for those of us who think Call of the Wild, when we think Alaska, getting a chance to meet a sled dog um, and and see exactly how vigorous and what the energy that they project and hear Susan Butcher's, ama- you know, amazing and sad story yeah. that uh, really affected me while I was yeah. on this corny paddle wheeler. So I wouldn't have missed yeah. out for the world. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Susan Butcher's story is really remarkable. Yeah. And it's really cool to get to learn about that on the riverboat. And by the way, if you're listening, um, we did do an episode, episode seven. So way back in March of 2023, um, we did an episode about the riverboat um, with Wade Binkley, who is um, one of the members of the family that runs it. And he kind of grew up on the river. So if you're intrigued by this, we didn't we didn't talk so much about dog sledding um, in that episode, but uh, yeah, it's a good one. And we do also have an episode about dog sledding, again, not specifically about Susan Butcher, but um, that one is episode 21 from July 5th. So yeah, you're mentioning the um, family. Um, it recalls to me that, of course... We go. We went by that family's home, which is on the river, and uh, the matriarch of the family came out with her dog and her housekeeper and yes. gave us a a, a feeble wave because she's a yeah. very elderly woman now. Yeah, how sweet to have this elderly woman welcome us to Alaska and have you know four hundred people wave back to her, which yeah. is absolutely what happened. It was it was another touching moment for us. Yeah, that's awesome. So to finish things up here. Peter, we've got four questions and they're similar to the questions that we ask all of our guests. A lot of our guests, of course, are Alaskans. So we've adapted them a little bit for our traveler stories. So the first one is, what was your favorite meal that you had in Alaska? So we, uh, it was on, on board the ship. Uh, we were having birthday dinner for my, uh, for my wife, who was birthdays, uh, July 10th. And some humpback whales um, started, uh, uh, you know, traveling next to the ship. So, of course, everybody in the restaurant got up and rushed the window to uh, to watch the humpbacks, at which a sourpuss was sitting there, and he said, I feel like I'm in freaking Disneyland with all you people around my table. He was really grouchy about it. And, uh, and, and I said to the guy, hey, relax, pal, we're in Alaska. And... <laughs> That's awesome. At that point, you know, he and I looked at each other and it was either going to come to blows then or we were going to retreat to our corners. But the happy news is that with our dinner with the humpback whales, 
also, I ran into the guy in the hallway and I said, you know what? I didn't handle that very well. I'm sorry that I interrupted your dinner. I understand why that was an intrusion. And he said, you know, I didn't handle my end of it very well either. And we shook hands. And after Aww. that, we were friends on the boat. Aww, that's so so fun. it was a combination of a beautiful meal, a fight, and a rapprochement, which was pretty terrific. It's a you've written a that's you know you you can tell again you're a journalist you know how to tell a story there's a and <laughs> then a resolution yeah you know, it was it was it was sweet I am struck by how many human connections you made on this trip Peter same it's impressive I'm a, I'm a people guy I'd like to talk to people and there are plenty to talk to among my three thousand uh, fellow passengers and yes. you know all the sweeties in the in the village, there was a teenage girl there who I got to be friends with at the, um, uh, you know, in the fishing village. And I learned more about her life as, uh, you know, growing up as a native Alaskan and in her views of, you know, the people who come to see her. And it was just a little like sharing moment. But mm -hmm. I often find that if, if you're able to um, get people away from the hubbub, then they just want to talk like humans. And, and I wanted to hear it. So, you know, that's what I do. Yeah. And well, again, journalistic um, uh, instincts, uh, but yeah. also, you know, you're a an interested person in other human beings. I have always found I, I, what I hear you saying is um, that, you know, if you seek out small interactions, they're there for you, even on this giant juggernaut of a cruise experience so i think that's really cool yeah you can uh, make it as small as you want to make it even if uh, you're on a giant ship you know when we lived in skagway it was always really quite funny because the broadway the main drag of of skagway absolutely crowded with people uh and i was a firefighter and the firehouse was literally a block and a half from where there were thousands of people and there was never anyone walking by like you know, the the majority of folks are quite concentrated in a small area and it takes a very small effort to to find more solitude or or smaller you know, experiences. Like you said, almost all of the the um excursions provide that on their own. So what what was your favorite um town or location, like physical place uh, on your expedition? Um, I don't know if this is uh, if this is admissible in evidence in this court, but I mentioned the Crow's Nest, which is the very best um, coffee spot on the New Amsterdam. They had the best baristas there. Like these were Olympic game level baristas making me my uh, cappuccino in the morning. And because I'm an early riser, I was often up there. It was just me and the cappuccino istas. Um, and uh, I loved taking my favorite chair in the very front of the crow's nest there and sipping my morning coffee and writing in my journal and looking at the, you know, the brand new world that was before us every morning, um, and becoming caffeinated at the same time. And I really felt like, um, it was, it was my balcony position on Alaska every morning. And, um, you know, it's no problem to wake up at five o'clock because the sun is, you know, shining brightly at that time. And that was OK with me because I was on a big ship and I could always take a nap later. Um, that was that was among my uh, among my favorite places because I felt surrounded by 
uh, Alaska and cared for by the barista. All right, Peter, we have one more question for you. What are you going to do on your next trip to Alaska? Well, you know, um, I really feel like I, you know, I use that metaphor of the table of contents in a, in a magazine. Um, I feel like I've flipped through the table of contents now on the new Amsterdam and I, I would, I'd want to, um, you know, maybe, uh, spend some time getting to know one area. And, you know, what I'm thinking of is, um, the Aleutian Islands and, how I've always been captivated by the idea of that peninsula reaching out toward, um, you know, toward uh, Russia and in a whole different realm of the world. And, uh, and also how much of the heritage of our own country, you know, is, is kind of wrapped up in, in what came across the, the land bridge there when it was exposed. So I think that if, if I could, um, you know, fly into Juneau, catch an Alaska ferry, uh, head out on a slow boat with no Wi-Fi and my uh, and my tent magnetically stuck to the uh, deck, that it would be a backpacking experience without actually having to flex my legs all that much. And uh, I would just let Alaska happen to me. Um, and I would be a wide-eyed appreciator of everything that went by, as I've said. So that's, that's, that's my next goal, but you know, we'll see what happens. I love it. That sounds like the perfect trip for you, Peter. Love it. Cool. Well, I hope I get to do it. Yeah, me too. Well, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story of your trip with us and with our listeners. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're welcome, and uh, and I hope that my nincompoops um, vision of travel in Alaska is useful to someone. I'm you're, sure it will be. You're willing to <laughs> give you space here to plug your plug your um, your Substack with yeah. great. Yeah, um, and so if anybody wants to uh, uh, get another uh, other perspectives on places I've been in the world, things I've done, places I've gone, and how I render it in uh, with uh, in in cartoons and drawings. Uh, it's petermore.substack.com. Uh, take a look at it. Um, I find the world to be a tremendously engaging and funny place, especially because I get up to all sorts of misadventures when I'm out wandering around in it. But that's the beauty of travel, isn't it? That uh, yeah. it, it knocks you off your stride and puts you in places and circumstances and meeting people that you never would in any other way. And and that's that's kind of I, I call my substack the road to elsewhere. That's 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 how I live my life. I'm always on the road to elsewhere, trying to trying to figure out what the next place I need to see is, the next person I can meet, um, and and I hope to capture all that on my uh, on my substack. Yeah, and we have that in the show notes, so you can also follow it there. So um, thank you again, Peter, and thanks to all of you for joining us for this episode of Alaska Uncovered. Um, along with Peter's substack in the show notes, I've got my Alaska travel planners. And if you want help with um, booking a session to plan part or all of your trip, you can find that there. And you can also sign up for my free email list. So thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye for now.